0: Welcome to the Australian Chiropractors Association podcast. The ACA is the peak body representing chiropractors in Australia. Hosted by ACA president, Dr. Anthony Coxon, these podcasts explore the science, art, philosophy, and politics of chiropractic, as well as reviewing the latest research and discussing how chiropractors can strive for excellence in practice. Welcome to the Australian Chiropractors Association podcast. I'm your podcast host, Anthony Coxon. It's not often that it has an obscure single case report from China makes it to the ACA podcast, so this will be a first. This study by Yap et al. has been published in BMJ Case Report in 2021. Interestingly, the case report also later featured in Australian Doctor News, which of course gave it a greater profile. The title of the study is A Near Fatal Consequence of Chiropractor Massage. Describing the technique as chiropractor massage reminds me of internet jokes where English translation hasn't quite worked, but this is still something that should be of interest and indeed concern to qualified chiropractors. To help me make sense of the case report and further commentary in the Australian Doctor News, I'm pleased to have Henry Pollard join the ACA podcast today. Now, Professor Henry Pollard is a PhD and is a practicing sports and exercise chiropractor and clinical scientist based in the southern Sydney suburb of Cronulla. He's also head of the Australasian Institute of Chiropractic Education, a business unit of the ACA that facilitates postgraduate training for chiropractors. Henry is also the editor of the Chiropractic Journal of Australia. Henry has been in private practice for over 35 years. He's been the independent chiropractic consultant for State Insurance Regulatory Authority, formerly known as the WorkCover Authority in New South Wales for almost 20 years. And for over 30 years, he has uh, uh, taught in the areas of orthopedics, sports medicine, clinical management, and research at several universities. He currently holds an adjunct professorial position at CQU University. He's lectured at numerous conferences nationally and internationally in the fields of chiropractic, sports medicine, and research, and has published 132 peer-reviewed manuscripts in medical and chiropractic peer-reviewed journals. Hi, Henry, and welcome to the ACA Podcast. Good day, Anthony how are you I'm excellent and really appreciative of uh, your in-depth knowledge to, to talk us through this uh, case report so this is about a 35 year old Chinese man who presented to an emergency department tell us about uh, the report
1: okay this this was a really interesting paper and uh, and and one which uh, for all the wrong reasons for chiropractic is a pretty good teaching case Um because it was fairly loosely described, I think is the best way to describe the actual case. And and, and it comes in a relatively prestigious journal too, so I was quite surprised about that. But uh, we're we're essentially talking about a a youngish man presenting to a practitioner um, who they weren't clear about what treatments we were getting, but who ultimately had uh, symptoms of a stroke, following the treatment, uh, and this included weakness and it included dysarthria, um, and this eventually became uh, uh, a carotid artery dissection. So the problem with all of this was, as serious as that was for the individual, um, the attributions uh, were to chiropractic, and it's very, very much unclear if that is the case.
0: And I think this is the important point, isn't it? Because it's always a concern if a person presents with a serious health problem, and we should always look at these scenarios as opportunities for learning. Uh, The big concern here, even in the title, the word chiropractor is used, yet it's uh, unclear and probably unlikely that this poor fellow saw an actual chiropractor in the first place.
1: Yes, that's true. So, um, unlike here in Australia where chiropractic is, is, is very well regulated. We, we have uh, you know regulation of title and all of these types of things um, in China uh, that doesn't exist. And, and there is a long history of, of lay manipulators or bone setters uh, tweener practitioners um, that utilize manipulative therapy, but they are not trained to the WFC standard uh Uh, for chiropractor training. Um, They are not registered chiropractors. uh, They're not even titled chiropractors. Um, So the attribution that was uh, given um, to this, what we can only assume is a lay manipulator, um, as a chiropractic manipulation is is inappropriate because they've generalised a therapy to a profession and it wasn't even the right one. So there's some fairly major faults there. And unfortunately, this has happened before on numerous occasions um, that have been reported way back to even 1995.
0: Yes, and I think I know the paper that you're talking about there. Alan Terrett, I think, won a few awards for that paper where he showed false attribution of problems with a a non-chiropractic experience being tagged to chiropractic so if it more or less if it did harm it was chiropractic manipulation if it did good it was just manipulation
1: that's exactly right and that's something that that has featured and it features to this day I, uh, in a separate case report that uh, i reported last year um I, I mentioned that and uh it was noted also by uh, adrian wenban from uh, the barcelona college he wrote a paper in 2006 where he he followed up uh uh, this particular issue, and found that it was going on there. So it is—it's really unfortunate that—and uh, there have been several letters to the editor from the from the likes of Peter Tushin, um, you know, Stephen Pearl, and others, um, basically trying to get the reporting of manipulation uh, and and its attribution to the correct practitioner or profession. Um, and unfortunately, this is an ongoing battle for us to have clarity in the science reporting. And that's really what's at issue here.
0: So getting back to the study itself, there's an interchange between terms, chiropractor massage, manipulation, the the terms vary, which suggests that there's a fair bit of confusion over the actual mechanism of the injury. And certainly confusion about the practitioner who was applying the therapy. What do you see? Understanding that this is a, a carotid artery dissection, what do you think might have been the likely mechanism of injury in this case?
1: Okay, so well, you know, just just to you know go a little further into how, how uh, diverse these descriptors are within the paper itself, let alone any anything that comes thereafter. Uh, the title refers to chiropractor massage. Um, The word massage is used in the abstract. Massage is used in the actual case presentation. In the discussion, that then gets turned into chiropractic neck manipulation and chiropractor massage. And then after that was published, that then was referred to as chiropractor manipulation and then chiropractor stroke in the subsequent uh, news article that followed this paper being published. Now, the actual diagnosis uh, of carotid artery uh, dissection, uh, where there was an essentially an ischemic stroke of the middle cerebral artery. Now, these things have actually uh, been known to happen before um, with massage therapy. And there is a, well, from our point of view, perhaps a somewhat obscure uh, diagnosis that can explain this. And it's a thing called Eagle syndrome. And essentially, Eagle syndrome is, uh, and there is a case report of this uh, having occurred relatively recently too, by the way. So that really should have been spoken about in the paper. But um, what happens is, is that the styloid process uh, elongates. Um, and then there is pressure from an, an anterior to posterior direction uh, via a massage. And the carotid artery, the uh, carotid artery, may be compressed now in the Eagle syndrome it's just the elongated uh, artery causes um, you know erosion uh, and uh, problems through its location it's its proximity uh, where you get uh, damage to the luminal walls of the vessel and then you get ischemic uh, symptoms after that now one of the key things about the paper too is that the symptoms um, on presentation, were not described, and this is a very important key point because I think any trained chiropractor or or, or manipulator for that for that uh, purpose who's, who's gone through a university program will know that anterior neck pain is a very different uh, subset of conditions compared to your usual posterolateral neck pain that we all see, yes. and and that if the anterior neck pain is then associated with with. Uh, Cerebral signs or cranial nerve signs, uh, weakness, dysarthria, and whatnot—that this is, you know, very much a no-go zone for for manipulative therapy. Um, and so, it it really is an important omission in the original paper not to have discussed all of that and whether or not that was known.
0: And I guess this is where the learnings really are in the paper. We take umbrage to the fact that this poor person has seen most likely a lay practitioner rather than a chiropractor, that chiropractor has been dispersed throughout the case report. Um, But I guess the learning factor here and the really important thing is that a chiropractor would have understood that someone presenting in that way perhaps shouldn't be in a chiropractic office and needs to be referred quite urgently somewhere else.
1: I think that that's a very good point. Um, I, I do recall from my, from my years in, in, in the teaching that uh, we used to specifically uh, in the technique classes uh, refer to anterior neck pain as, as being, you know, tiger territory. And, you know, you need to be very mindful of ENT type problems. Um, um, yes, there's some superficial muscular type problems, but this is also where the vascular structures lie. And so you have to be extremely mindful of anterior uh, neck pain syndromes, particularly when they're associated with any kind of cranial nerve symptom. And um, so I think a trained uh, chiropractor would definitely pick this up in their history um, and would be highly unlikely to do any kind of manipulative work without ruling out uh, important red flag conditions, which obviously, you know, one could have this occur and have a limited symptom base uh, and then, it could be screened with Doppler and other other uh, imaging, angiography, uh, and then you get an appropriate diagnosis and no problems at the hand of therapy because the correct therapy would be applied. But having said all of that, I think that the that the mechanism, an eagle-like syndrome, which is where I would say that the, 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 the hands of the practitioner have pressed from an A to P direction down. Uh, upon the vertebral body or a styloid process and squashed the, uh, the carotid artery between the two um, is the most likely explanation for what's going on here. Um, and so um, really we didn't get any discussion of that in the paper either. Um, and, and, and certainly in my experience, I have never, ever heard of, uh, of any chiropractor Applying an A to P thrust type uh, technique um, through the front of the neck because it it, because of all the vital structures that are there. So I think that that's kind of an um, important distinction to make.
0: So when it comes to cervical artery dissection, whether it be vertebral or or carotid, clearly in this case, as you've explained, that seems like a reasonable mechanism. If that indeed was the mechanism, often Mm -hmm. I think. The important thing is for chiropractors to be mindful of what the signs of these sorts of things might be, because mostly they will happen spontaneously or through minor trauma. And it's, I guess, that age old question of, you know, uh, the temporal versus causative relationship. Would you, would you say that that's often the case that these, when these things are attributed to uh, care by a chiropractor or someone practicing manual therapy, it might be that the process is already in play?
1: I think that that's highly likely, and I think all the recent studies are pointing to that occurring. Um, I always get people to do a thought uh, experiment, the students, when when, when teaching them, um, that if if your patient is presenting with neck pain, uh, always screen for headache, always screen for cranial nerve symptoms, always screen for upper limb referrals uh, as a matter of course. Now, if you get a positive any one of those, uh, then that's that's a cause to go down the rabbit hole, as it were, and and explore those issues further. But it's also um, would would cause you to be kind of very uh, conservative in your approach to your management. And so, yes, uh, whilst most of the symptoms that uh, are associated with manipulation are more in the vertebrobasilar system, which is more posterior. Uh, Uh, cerebrum and, you know, cerebellum. Um, This one happened more in the anterior and middle artery. So the the two fairly distinct areas, I think, of the brain that are involved in the symptom packages that would come, there'd be some similarities in things like dizziness and things of that nature. But the other, uh, the other factors, you know, this, this case would definitely present more like a, uh, like a a stroke. And as you said, that can be uh, spontaneous and particularly uh, at the age of this person who's 35 years of age. Uh, it really is a, a trauma um, by motor vehicle accident or some other form of trauma um, or a spontaneous, and then they include the other, but, uh, you know, manipulation and other things of that nature. So I think that if the practitioner is mindful of, of the symptom set, which we don't know about in this case because it was not reported, then, um, then, um, you know, uh, certain treatment just doesn't get provided. And so we never end up with a problem. So the summary of all of that is, is that it really is a diagnostic issue a lot of the time and not an adverse treatment issue in my mind. Yes. Because if if you're aware of the symptom packages that are being presented appropriately because you've been trained properly, like a proper chiropractor,
0: um,
1: then we end up with, uh, okay, we've observed some symptoms which are, are problematic Let's go and get those checked out. And so we don't deliver the, uh, an, an event that would have an adverse outcome. And so the thing never occurs in the first place. So I agree with you that, that a lot of these cases uh, are quite likely in train, uh, are occurring. And then it's the job of the chiropractor to be uh, very mindful or any practitioner to be very mindful of that in their history taking uh, when they uh, screen their patient.
0: So you expressed your, uh, I guess, concern about the, the link to chiropractor when it wasn't a chiropractor or unlikely to be a chiropractor that performed the technique in the first place, but there's still within the study, I guess, good information, which you've outlined just there and certainly consideration of Eagle syndrome being something that's really important. What were your thoughts on the way that the Ozdoc News reported the case study?
1: Okay, so this, this, is, this is sort of part two of the problematic reporting of this case. The part one was the actual presentation of the case in, in, the, in the journal, and then the part two was the way the information in the journal was then used in the reporting uh, of the case. So referring now to part two, um, what was clearly defined as a, and, and it's questionable, uh, a chiropractor massage somehow became chiropractic uh, manipulation and stroke as reported in the AusDoc uh, uh, feature. And now that, in my mind, is completely inappropriate. Um, for first of all, what we have here is a case study. Now, case studies are, are, are very useful, and, and I'm very uh, pro-case study uh, as something that, uh, that we should produce and that clinicians should read. However, they do have a lot of limitations. They're not actually considered research, for starters. They're very good at describing scope of, scope of practice, and, and, and they're clinically very interesting, and, and you can relate to them as clinicians very easily, and so it's kind of fun reading. But because it's, it's an N of one study, you, it, it is not generalizable to a whole profession or population, if you want to be technical about it. So so what's happened here, it's likely that a lay manipulator or massage therapist or some combination of the two um, has uh, performed some sort of treatment, which is probably massage, and that has then been reported as manipulation, and then that has then been extrapolated out to not only the lay lay manipulator, get this right manipulate a um, population but it's been extrapolated out to an entirely different profession which is chiropractic mm-hmm. so uh, that is inappropriate to put it
0: mildly. so what do you think uh, and by the way I just uh, the ACA for for our uh, members interest has actually sent a letter to the editor that editor and uh, Henry thank you for um Assisting with development of that letter, we're yet to see that published in OSDOC, but uh, hopefully it will. And certainly for members who are interested to see the the detailed ACA response that they sent that we sent to OSDOC, they can just contact the ACA for that information. Um, in summing up, Henry, what should chiropractors take out of this? Uh, what are and what are the lessons learned to ensure best practice?
1: Good question. Um, I. I've- believe that this is a a learning opportunity for all of us. Uh, I think that what we need here is to be very specific in our descriptors of who and what we are and who and what we do. Um, And and so I think the the understanding of what is a a vertebro-basilar insufficiency and what are the signs and symptoms is important to note because they are often used interchangeably with the carotid artery system um, sort of strokes. Um, and they are different. And I think it's it's important that practitioners know the difference between the two. They also should know the difference, uh, uh, not only on the presentation, but also uh, what are the likely signs and symptoms if something does go wrong? Uh, and then what potentially one should do, because they it, it does effectively describe um, the emergency department process that occurred, and so that's an important step. Um, and then, from a sort of a broader perspective, from, um, in terms of the reporting of these things, it, it does say that you, uh, if we followed the care guidelines on on the reporting of case reports, um, I think you'd find that uh, one would be expected to be a little bit more forthcoming about the exact nature of the practitioner involved, the exact nature of Um, exact nature of diagnosis, differential diagnosis, um, because all of these, I believe, were not very good in this case.
0: Yep. Well, look, Henry. Look, I really appreciate your time today. I know you're a very busy man and juggling lots of balls, but you've uh, taken us through a very educative and logical approach to to this case study. It's something that's really important, I think, for chiropractors to to be aware of. Uh, and uh, thank you so much for your time today. My pleasure, Anthony. All the best. Well, that's it for me. Thanks for listening. I hope this podcast has been helpful in your quest for excellence and look forward to chatting with you again on our next ACA podcast.